0: Today's podcast is brought to you by LootCrate.com. Save 10% on any new subscription at trylootcrate.com slash picturelock. Enter promo code 10 for 10% savings. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things, and as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there. Creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started PictureLock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR, finally, a partner as passionate as you. It's Picture Lock on W E R A L P Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world famous award winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find all the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. I am still trying to wrap my head around the fact that we're a week away from the second annual 2018 DC Black Film Festival. I am pumped stressed, but I am super excited. (laughs) Make sure you check out dcbff.org to find out the films and events that you can see August 16th through 18th in Southeast DC at the Miracle Theatre. Continuing my talk with filmmakers whose films will be in the DC Black Film Festival showcase, kicking off the show I have Joe Marshall, writer-director of Here Kitty, which will screen during our We Still Dealing With This block, then I talk with Joseph E. Austin II, writer-director of One Chance, one of our opening night films. And I have Jennifer Lewis, director of Austin's Voice, which will play during our We Still Dealing With This block as well. Finally, we'll hear from Blake Bynum, director of Buried, which will play during our Friends, How Many of Us Have Them block. It's another great round of interviews from filmmakers you'll be able to see next week at the DC Black Film Festival. And that's all ahead. On Picture Lock.
1: Hey everybody, this is Terrence Malls, director of Lost Kings, and Michael Faulkner, producer of Lost Kings. And this is Picture Lock.
0: Exploring the boundary lines between sexual attraction and sexual harassment, a group of young adults discuss the ethics of catcalling in the dark comedy Here, Kitty. I have the film's writer director on the line, Joe Marshall. Joe, welcome to Picture Lock.
2: Hey, appreciate you having me, man.
0: <laughs> it's my pleasure. Joe, first question I always start out with: When did you first fall in love with film?
2: I mean, I don't want to sound cliche, but uh, I'm gonna sound cliche anyway. I feel like I always loved film. Um, You know, as a kid, I just remember just watching like The Lion King, Space Jam, like a million times over and over again. I feel like all kids, you know, would watch uh, movies and stuff over and over again. But (laughs) I feel like the reason why why I did it was because when I watched it, I felt like it, it kind of just took me to a different place. I feel like for that, for that hour and 30 minutes that I was watching this Disney movie or, or that I was watching space, Sam, I was transported to a different world and and I just, you know, my problems didn't exist. And all I had to do was just focus on this story. And I, and I felt like that, that idea kind of continued as I grew up. And, and I really just loved to just watch movies. I would spend more and more time just watching them and studying them. And then it went from just a liking uh, to To a general love, and, and I wanted to study the craft and study the art and see how I could create an experience like that for other people. you know if i if I felt like this watching this film could could change my life and and make my life better even for just an hour, I would love to be able to do the same for people out there who just need a laugh for for thirty minutes or for however long. And so I think that's how I started loving film, and that's why I kind of jumped into it.
0: I can appreciate that. You know, I love asking that question because uh, so many times, like, it's almost like it, it's almost like when you hear uh, about, like, you ask a married couple, like, how did you guys meet? And, um, you know, you hear their story. And, you know, if you're married or in a relationship yourself, then sometimes it it evokes those uh, emotions of, oh, yeah, I do remember that same feeling uh, when I first fell in love. <laughs> so it's really kind of cool to hear you say that because you're right, man. There was... Um, Robin Hood, the animated joint, Uh, I used to go over to my cousin's house and uh, shout out to Jayla in Michigan. And every time I went over there, I just had to watch that film. And you're you're so correct that as kids, like we watch these movies all the time. But, um, you know, I think as those of us that are in the film industry and love film, you you slowly learn later, like, whoa, those were the building blocks for um, what we have. Uh, today so if we could go from you know the kid that was watching one of the worst films uh in in (laughs) regard to space jam (laughs) like when you watch it now you're Uh, like oh space jam was horrible but (laughs) but as a kid yeah no yeah yeah no as a kid it was awesome so i I could totally relate to that but take me from the kid that Uh, was watching space jam and now you know the man that is uh the writer director of here kitty How'd you get into the industry?
2: Uh, well, for me, I, um, I I had a weird kind of way of, of getting to actually making films. Um, for me, I actually went to, so I was always into writing and uh, always loved writing, always had a passion for it. And that was kind of my best area when it came to school. And So when it came time for me to go to college, I ended up going to uh, the University of Maryland College Park um, and I was trying to figure out what my major should be. And it was you know, down between English and journalism and um at the time I was not super in love with reading. Uh so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do journalism. Uh we're gonna have some fun with it. So I did journalism and literally the first day, like the orientation, first sentence out of their mouths were, If you're here to make money, uh you're in the wrong place. And that immediately depressed me, but I <laughs> didn't quit. Um <laughs> so i stayed in journalism all four years i was in print journalism um what i realized there was that i did not like the news and i figured that out around my junior year i was like yeah i don't like the news um one of the things that i hated about that was that they just sucked out the creativity all the fun stuff that i loved about writing they sucked it out i mean when it comes to journalism all you're doing is reporting the facts and i respect it and we need it but it wasn't for me yeah so luckily i was able to take uh one really awesome class that was a magazine writing class where I finally got to explore my creative writing again. And I was able to, like, tell funny stories and make jokes and be creative and add adjectives. I mean, my God, I miss adjectives so much in journalism. <laughs> um, and so that kind of sparked me again. And um, uh, comedy has always been uh, my thing. I, I love to make jokes, and I feel like I always took it way more seriously than anybody else did in my friend group. Like, I would, I would literally just, like, think about my jokes before I said it. Um, And so, you know, I I used to write little comedy sketches uh, that I was able to do at my church and different things like that. Then it kind of stemmed into me um, after I realized, you know, and took that class in my junior year. I uh, one of the my favorite comedy shows and one of my big inspirations was The Office. Um, Great, great show. And so my first early project was uh, in my junior year. I I created a a web series for my church, ironically, just calling it The Church and kind of had the same premise of The Office. Um, but dealing with different church stuff and uh, some weird taboo topics in the church that people don't want to address. I've got to address with comedy. And so that kind of led me into it. Um, then I became the actually the creative director for the church that I go to uh, in D.C. Uh, Victory Christian Ministries in National Washington, D.C. Came the cor- uh, creative director there and the drama department leader where we've been putting on different Christmas plays. And I got to direct those and write those. And throughout the time we would do different mini docs of, people in our church whose lives have been changed. So I got to practice and explore film there. I created some commercials, um, and I did that for the church and outside the church. I did it for some clients like Shark Cleaning, and I did uh, some other ones for Booz Allen Hamilton. Um, And so I just kind of played around with it and and explored and and learned things and, and participated on sets. I'm also an actor, so I act professionally as well. And I learned and made a lot of connections with that in theater and in film. And so that kind of just led me to uh, the 48-hour film festival uh, where I created my first short film. And uh, that's where we have Here Kitty.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer-director of Here Kitty, Joe Marshall. Joe, it's really interesting, your journey and, and getting here. If we could, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Here Kitty what is the film about in your own words? And now, not only that, like I think it's really interesting that for the 48 hour film festival, um, you know, for those that don't know, you know, you got 48 hours to, you know, write, shoot, edit uh, a film. Um, You chose this topic. And so I'm really interested in your own words, what's the film about? And then also, why did you choose this topic?
2: Perfect, perfect. Um, Well, in my own words, this film is about uh, catcalling. Um, and so that's kind of how we came up with the name. You know, I was trying to think of a creative name and I said, how do you call a cat? You'd say, here, kitty. So that's why we called it, uh, here, kitty. not, hello, kitty. A lot of people try to say that, here, kitty. Um, <laughs> but it, it's simply about uh, this issue, this taboo issue of, of catcalling. Um, you know, I, I have a sister. Um, I have a girlfriend of uh, going on six years now. And, um, you know, in in talking with her and and really getting her experience as a woman, as a black woman in America, to be honest, it really changed me. And I never knew how, like, almost naturally chauvinistic I was. I I feel like, you know, we talk about this thing called white privilege, but I think there's a thing called penis privilege. And I think I was uh, a victim of that. You know, I I was born a man and and society kind of uh, influences and and supports this uh, man superiority complex that I had. And I, I never felt like I was a overt chauvinist, but in, in being able to talk with her and, and really just exploring her thought process and, and the situations that she goes through, it made me recognize areas in myself, uh, you know, where where I was a victim of chauvinism. And so that kind of led me to to creating this film um, that, that deals with, some of those issues. It was specifically just one about catcalling that women face. And uh, my biggest thing was we just kind of wanted to. In the film, we got a girl who's who, who's just trying to mind her own business, uh, and she is uh, interrupted by a guy who, who who just wants to talk to her. Um, and that leads her down a, a path of exploring, like, yo, is this okay? Um, and one of the things that I think is unique about our film is that we get both sides of the argument so we get to hear from the guys who are the cat callers and we get to hear from the girls who are being cat called and we get to hear their explanations um for why they think it's wrong or right my biggest thing in this film was to not give an outright answer of what is wrong and what is right i always hate those like after school specials where they're just like feeding you the right answer i didn't want it to be like that Mm -hmm. all i wanted to do was create empathy. Uh, I feel like a lot of times, especially with these issues that are kind of taboo and people may have different opinions on them, a lot of times no one is hearing the other side. We're just yelling our opinions. And when the other person is talking, we're just thinking of a rebuttal. Um, So my goal was to hopefully present both sides, um, whether they're wrong or right, but present them, let you hear what the other person is saying. And hopefully in just hearing that, um, it'll create empathy or at least promote discussion of these topics that we sometimes try to avoid. And even in that discussion, you know, you may not decide to agree, but sometimes it's not about agreeing. I think it's more about finding common ground. And So whether you have that discussion, you know, within yourselves or with others, it's all about finding that empathy and and saying, you know, all right, I may not agree with you, but I see where you're coming from. Uh, And so that was really what I wanted to do in that film, but add a little humor in there so that it's more easily digestible uh, instead of really straight-laced and boring
0: right you know uh... i think it should be known that uh... this film will be playing at the dc black film festival during our we still dealing with this film block uh... in which we're just looking at different issues that we're still dealing with as a society and that we need to deal with uh... joe kind of wrapping out here uh, i think that comedy a lot of times uh... we can laugh at it which is great sugar before the medicine, which is actually addressing it. You know, I I heard a Michael Che joke uh, recently. I think it it might be on his Netflix special. And he was talking about how uh, cat callers, like, who wants to do that? That's super embarrassing, you know. And if you watch it, again, he tells a joke through saying, like, dude, like, cat calling is horrible. Um, Can you talk a little bit about... uh, Writing the humor, but also giving the truth.
2: Yeah, no, nah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, it's it's always about you know finding that thin line um, because with humor, I mean, there there is a line, and sometimes you can easily cross it. Um, and for me, uh, I like my humor to be more of a funhouse mirror of reality. Um, and so that's how I kind of anchor myself in telling the truth because I try to start off by looking at myself and, you know, things that I do or, or I'll, I'll take experience. So for this particular film here Kitty, um, when we created it in the 48-Hour Film uh, Festival, we had a group of people and it included a, a great group of strong women um, who I was able to really just talk to and just hear their stories about how they've been catcalled and hear their feelings and hear their opinions. And all I literally did was, you know, transcribe that um, and just added uh, a little uh, humor seasoning to it. But so all we did was kind of amplify some of their stories. Um, and again, like I said, using that funhouse mirror kind of concept of just making it look a little bit exaggerated, but still based around, uh, the truth. And I think that's the final element that, that, that I tried to tote when it comes to, to this, spe- uh, particular topic, especially when you're talking about something that is real and something that is taboo and something that is sensitive. Um, just wanting to show the world as it is. Um, but, you know, being able to look back and say, oh, wow, do I do this? Uh, you know, you're (laughs) laughing, but it's like, wait, can I see myself in this? Right. Maybe this is, do I look like this?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and folks, again, you'll be able to see this film at the DC Black Film Festival. Joe, if you could, for the audience that's listening, how can folks follow you on social media, find out more about the film?
2: oh yeah for sure for sure uh you can find out more about this film by just starting off following me uh at joe lumberjack made a lot more sense when i had a really thick beard i cut it down now but either (laughs) way you can still follow at joe lumberjack you'll be receiving lots of updates on this film and uh future projects that we're doing in the future we're actually going to convert this film into a web series we're in production right now um so there'll be a lot more updates to come so follow me at joe lumberjack on instagram uh, and you'll be able to find all the information you need about my future films in this one. Awesome.
0: Writer and director of Here Kitty, Joe Marshall, thanks for coming on Picture Lock.
2: Thank you so much for having me, man. Looking forward to the festival.
1: Hey, everybody. This is writer director of Blue Diamonds, Patrick House, and you're listening to Picture Lock.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and in one chance... A professional boxer is forced to choose between his family and emerging career after he's diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I have the film's writer-director on the line, Joseph E. Austin II. Joseph, welcome to Picture Lock. Uh,
3: thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Joseph, the first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film?
3: Um, I would say I first fell in love with filmmaking and... Um... Part when I was in uh, college, um, a bunch of my friends they they pretty much knew what they were passionate about. They wanted to be doctors and, and and preachers and whatnot. And for me, it took me a while to kind of find what my niche was. But you know, once they you know I saw how inspired and passionate they were, I you know dug deep and I realized that I had a strong passion for uh, storytelling, and um, the preferred medium was um, filmmaking. So. I would say probably around 2008, 2009 is when I fell in love with filmmaking.
0: Nice. So at that time, was it like you, you had kind of always been around movies, you enjoyed it, like you said, being a storyteller, and then you were like, you know what, I need to change my major.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I, a funny thing was I was always, um, I went to school and I studied uh, media production, so I always knew that, um you know, I wanted to be in like the storytelling business, but for me, like I'm an avid love of sports. So I thought maybe like ESPN would be my route. Um and then just it some, somehow it took a shift towards movies. Um, being in college, that's you know, one of the you have a lot of time to see, you know, watch films and whatnot. So, you know, that's kinda where it switched and I said, uh know the sports, um and you know, um, news and I said, um, uh, filmmaking is what I wanna do.
0: Nice, I can appreciate that So, uh, you know, give us a little backstory Take us uh, from that moment when you realized Hey, this is what I want to do, filmmaking How did you start making it a reality? How did you kind of break into the film industry? Um,
3: well, I mean, while I was in college um, The first thing I did was once I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker um, I did made a documentary called The Guy's Effect Which examined um, the stereotypes associated with African American. In early and current cinema and for me i want to do that make that documentary because i said if i'm going to make films i want to make sure that i'm representing my people um the right way so i wanted to educate myself on all the stereotypes so i know that i don't fall into that and i'm constantly aware of that and once i graduated um from college i was fortunate to um start at the cw network in uh, washington dc as a cameraman and um From there, I just started um, more so Big Tigger, who used to be on BET and um, host Rap City. Um, He had a show called Direct Access, um, pretty much like an entertainment-style show. And so, you know, from there, pretty much I just got a lot of... I got really comfortable being behind the camera, Um, you know, on a weekly basis. We'd be, you know, interviewing celebrities at different events, and then from that, I got to travel. The country you know covering some events and so you know after four and a half years the show got canceled and um i was left at a, you know pretty much at a stance like what do i do next and so um my my wife you know she inspired me to go to film school and so i decided she took me on a tour of new york film academy and in 2014 i started my mfa program at the new york film academy um, I did my first year in New York, and I finished out in L.A., and from there, that's when I started really getting um, serious in the film, started making um, a bunch of short films, and then One Chance was my thesis film, um, and so that's where we are today.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer-director of One Chance, Joseph E. Austin II, second. Um Joseph, I think that uh, it's really cool to kind of hear your your journey. And now One Chance will actually be playing at the D.C. Black Film Festival August 16th for the opening night going at it alone film block. If you could, for the audience, let them know in your own words, what is One Chance all about?
3: Um, Basically, uh, for me, One Chance is about never giving up on your dreams. It tells a story. of a a fighter who on the brink of his first championship fight um, collapses and is diagnosed with um, type 1 diabetes. And, you know, in the midst of that that diagnosis, um, you know, he has choices to make. Does he appease his family and, you know, quit? Or does he, you know, challenge himself to say, hey, this is what I, you know, I want to die for my dream. And it's basically that that battle right there of who do you please um, and, you know, not giving up on your dreams. And basically for me, in a bigger picture, the um, film is a, is a love letter to young black men in America, and it's just saying if you have a dream, you have to fight for it no matter what. No matter what obstacles you may face, you have to keep going.
0: You know, I think that that is really cool. I love the fact that um, <laughs> you said it's a love letter to young black men in America. Um, I definitely think it has a universal story. It doesn't matter, you know, what color your skin is, you you definitely can um, relate to going after uh, the dreams, but I appreciate the fact that, you know, um, you wanted to display, you know, a black male that is going after it and really working hard to do that, because I do think representation is huge and key, and it's great to see um, someone trying to go after something in a positive way. Now, You know, whether you want to kill yourself for the dream uh, again, folks, you'll have to come and see the film that might be up for debate. But there is something about (laughs) this film that um, I do think people that, you know, just have like the entrepreneurial spirit or are super passionate about their dream are really faced with. And that is, you know, um, when you're devoting so much of yourself to something then something else in your life is going to uh, lose out a bit. And so, you know, here we have, yeah. you know, his family members. So could you talk a little bit about kind of a writing that um, within the film?
3: Yeah, um, I mean, for me, um, I just wanted to, in terms of writing, I wanted to make it as hard as possible for him. So I wanted, you know, for his decision. Um, so, of course, there needed to be, you know, the physical um, battle. And then, of course, like, um, something that referenced the past like so you know for him from losing his mother to the you know the same um disease and also you know him having you know a child um coming you know so it's a lot to lose you know for him but it's also a lot to gain so i just wanted to make the decision for him as hard as possible and um in terms of challenging you know myself to write like it took me a while to really settle on like type 1 diabetes um originally i wanted to go with like the you know uh a Broken neck, or but then you know, after doing tons of research, realized oh, that film is that film at the time was, um, being made. Um, there was a film by Miles Teller that he starred in where he played a fire that, um, was overcoming a broken neck. And so, from mm-hmm. there, just kind of like I wanted this to be this, its own thing. So, then, especially you know, one of the things that affects the black community, you know, in diabetes, that that really popped up, and I saw that that was a lane that hadn't been, um, explored. So basically, you know, I just wanted to, like, throw the entire kitchen sink at Chance
0: and, you know, see how, you know, one would react. Yeah. I got you. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the writer-director of One Chance, Joseph E. Austin The second Joseph, uh, one of the things that I, I, I find that you said earlier uh, in, in regard to how bad do you want it, you know, there's that Eric Thomas... uh famous motivational speech in which he talks about how um, the mentor took the mentee out into the water and say, keep going. And then, you know, like held him underwater. And he was like, when, when you want it as bad as you want to get some air, mm-hmm. then, you know, like you're really after it. Um, and I think that's what uh, your main character, that's really kind of how he is with this. Um, can you just talk a little bit about, Uh, some of your your cast and in regard to boxing you know um, already with filmmaking there's a certain choreography there's a choreography to boxing and then also to filming that can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the challenges but also you know the positive aspects in terms of um, you know filming a boxing movie
3: yeah, well in terms of the cast, <clears throat> it was really a guts and um I, I knew for this, like I said, with this being my thesis film, that I wanted to, you know, give myself enough time to plan, especially with it being um boxing and, you know, chore- choreography. And so um I started um maybe two months before we started shooting and I started casting and then I found this young man, um, Keon Pruitt, who plays um chance and he pretty much um I mean, for only what you see on TV was the extent to which you do boxing um and then you know he really didn't know how to throw you know a proper punch and so basically we put him in a training camp um for six weeks um we trained um at the fortune gym on um in la and that's the home um justice of justin fortune he was at one time manny pacquiao's um strength coach so we had him in there but basically he just got into shape um for a few weeks and then just learn like the, the extent of like to which the body you know um goes through when you're boxing and then so for two weeks we just got into shape and he learned the basics and then two weeks after that you know he was doing a lot of role work and then um you know after that the last latter two weeks we just worked on chore- um, the fight choreography and um we were blessed because um Jody Jones who plays um his father who's an experienced actor. I mean he's been on um he was on Girlfriends back in the day, um Next Day Air, First Time Felon. So he's you know, quite experienced. But at the time when I cast him I didn't know that, you know, he had an extensive boxing background. And so um that was lucky. So he did the fight um choreography for us and um so that helped out a whole lot. And he also trained her. And uh, we were also, you know, blessed with um have ronnie essett who was a former um u.s olympic uh, boxer um who um pretty much like his gym was a boxing district and um the, the gym that we actually used for the film and he was a huge help as well and so you know for me i was like a thank you to me it was like let me include this guy in the film and he, <clears throat> you know in terms of um faith um and denisha lynn like she's you know she's an amazing actress and i just like from the moment you know I, I i saw you know her tape i knew that she was the one so we just you know were very fortunate um to have a great cast and i think the biggest thing was just giving myself time and then um you know the fight like that was that was a hectic you know that was that was scary you know filming that um, cuz just you just don't want to get anyone hurt but i mean everyone was prepared and dedicated and you know we made it happen and uh, we only we, we shot that a big fight seen in like like less than two hours like we didn't have a lot of time on this film at all so like you know to make that happen and everyone was safe was a huge you know huge blessing
0: that's what's up man so to wrap things out here uh how can people find out more about the film follow you on social media
3: yeah well um yeah um of course, you know we're we're, we're uh, playing at the DC Black Film Festival on um, August 16th. But to find out more, um, you can reach out to me on the um, Instagram it's at uh, Joseph Austin II, and it's the same on Twitter Joseph Austin II. For any details regarding what we're screening next and you know what's happening with the film.
0: Awesome, writer director of One Chance, Joseph E. Austin II. Thanks for coming on Picture Lock.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, guys, let's take a quick break for uh, the folks that keep the lights on. Stay tuned. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realized that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know and a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your films, PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to prfortheindiefilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. Thanks so much for listening to Picture Lock Podcast, guys. I'm always trying to find great deals on cool things that I can offer you, as you know. And with Picture Lock, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Well, what is Loot Crate, you ask? Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate for geeks, gamers, and fans of pop culture delivering cool and often exclusive items like collectibles, t-shirts, home goods, and more directly to your door every month. What makes Loot Crate so awesome to me is instead of getting my new graphic tees from the store each month, for the same price or less, I can get cool apparel from my favorite TV shows, movies, games, and more. And if you got a little more to shell out, you can get even bigger and better items. No matter what you pay per month, the value of the crate is usually more, so it's a win-win. You're going to search through the rack or shelves anyway. Let Loot Crate do it for you and throw a little curveball in there for you. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com/picturelock. Again, that's trylootcrate.com/picturelock to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter promo code Bridge10 for 10% savings. picture locks question of the week last week was what is your all-time favorite friendship slash buddy film on the gram at sherry now sherry has a whole bunch of r's in her name but at sherry said steel magnolia at aaron mo said stand by me now and then goonies *Romeo and michelle's high school reunion my girl the sandlot to which i had to say you can never just pick one but those are all classics They totally are. I did enjoy some of her picks. At doctor underscore sweet underscore EJ said... Waiting to exhale, and at Trend City Radio said, "This is nice!" Exclamation mark. You should send your music to us at Trend City Radio. They totally didn't answer the question, and probably was one of those get followers plug. But hey, why not? Someone said something on Twitter, but it disappeared. Sorry, uh, whoever you are. On Facebook, Aaron Goodmiller said Shawshank Redemption and the entire Lethal Weapon series. Appreciate everybody that answered last week's question of the week. really appreciate you guys as always. This week's question, in light of our we still dealing with this film block, what's your favorite film that tackles issues we need to deal with in society? I got some good examples that'll be up on Instagram. But film has a great way of showing us ourselves and then putting everything on the line. Leave me a message, 60 seconds or less, That tells me what your favorite film that tackles issues we really need to deal with in society is. And I'm going to do my best to play it on the show, 202-350-1351. You can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com, and I'll read your answer next episode.
3: Hey, everybody. This is Ted Adams, writer, producer, and director of Othello's Fund, you're listening to Picture Lock.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and in Austin's voice, a young college student named Austin explains what it's like to be a young black male in America today. I have the director of the film, Jennifer Lewis, on the line. Jennifer, welcome to Picture Lock.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. Jennifer, the first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film?
4: Uh, Well, mine was a kind of odd journey. I was a biologist um, in training. I actually have a PhD in biology. And I wanted to do more and was inspired by a couple of filmmakers working for a BBC and their natural history unit and um, had a story I thought was interesting um, related to students that were fighting to stay in conservation in um, uh, Southeast Asia and and just decided to see if I could try it, see if I could cover it in film and then just fell in love and uh, haven't turned back since.
0: Man, that is really interesting. So uh, take me from the biologist to the filmmaker. Fill in the gaps of how you jumped, <laughs> jumped ship and, uh, you know, uh, are now <laughs> making films.
4: <laughs> well, I, I had always been very concerned about scientists not being very good at talking to the general public and that we were losing major, major battles uh, because of this um, over 50% of people in the United States don't believe in evolution. They don't believe in climate change. And um, I decided finally to put my, my money where my mouth was. And I, um, I was really lucky to, to find this BBC film crew. They hired me as their naturalist um, for one summer. I was a dolphin researcher, and they wanted somebody to kind of help them figure out where to go and that kind of thing. And uh, I started hearing about what they were doing and the, the impact that film could potentially have. And I, I just started to open my eyes, and um, and now I believe in it so much that I'm I'm working on my second doctorate at George Mason, uh, studying the, uh, how much impact storytelling through film can actually have. I'm focusing on conservation, but obviously I, I I'm very drawn to social issue stories as well.
0: Yeah, most definitely. You know, it's interesting. So this is, it's not exactly the same thing, but when I was in high school, I was in a magnet program, InfoLink, and we had to do a thesis. And my thesis was that light and sound coming together in film creates, like, a mood. Now, you know, for a high school student, I mean, this is, like, kind of obvious, but for a high school student, like, I really didn't kind of realize what my thesis was all about until like I shot like I made this claymation and I said it one thing you know one set of music and then a different set of music and so like you watch it it's the same claymation but it meant totally something totally different now why did I tell that random story (laughs) yeah well because uh I I
4: love
0: it actually (laughs) I appreciate that um but the reason I say that random story is because of what you just said in terms of like how can um scientists be able to speak to the general public and how film can you know mm-hmm. relay a message in such a way that sometimes like you know it, a it might be boring to hear and you know lecture or um mm-hmm. be like visually you know it, it might not be compelling so i think it's really cool that you know you kind of made that jump in an effort to uh, at the same time educate us through film and so, once again, folks, it's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to Jennifer Lewis. She is the director of Austin's Voice. And, Jennifer, if you could, I'd love to know, like, what inspired you to make Austin's Voice? And for the audience that's listening, maybe you could give them a little bit more uh, as to what the film is all about.
4: Sure. Um, well, the film is about um, a, a young student, um, Austin Harrison, who's at George Mason. He just graduated and. And it's, it's basically, um, it was built from a set of interviews and follows, um, getting uh, him to talk about the issue of, of what it's like to be a black American young male in the United States. And, uh, and, and it was kind of built out of discussions between the two of us. Um, I, I grew up in the Deep South, and um, I'll, just be, I'll be frank with you, I was surrounded by racists my entire life, including within my family. I never, I never got it. I never understood it. And I've been wanting to participate. I always stand up. I always say something, but I wanted to always do something more. I felt like I really wasn't doing my full part in regards to that. And, um, uh, and, and when I met Austin, Austin has been one of my students actually. And I was immediately impressed with him. He's, um, he just is extremely insightful and thoughtful and, um, Uh, and he, he thinks very deeply about things and he, um, we've been working, I hired him on a number of shoots and things, and he shared with me some of the pieces that he's written that got published in one of the, um, publications, some type of a magazine on campus. And, uh, and I realized from those that he, he had something to say about his, his, his life. And, uh, and so I, when I got the chance to make a documentary for one of my film classes at American, I my first thought was, I wonder if he would let me do this. If if this, I knew it would be hard, and it would take courage for him to do that. And I was extremely proud of him for what he's done, and I know he's very happy with it as well. So that's just that was kind of how it all sort of came together.
0: Yeah, most definitely, I would.
4: And why, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I would totally agree that uh, Austin is very insightful. Some of the things that he said and articulated, um, I mean, it, it was just perfect. Uh, you know, one of the scenes that really touched me the most, uh, I think, as a black male, um, is how he described mm-hmm. uh, walking at night on campus, and if he sees a white uh, yeah. female approaching, how he has to think about what he looks like from her eyes and yeah. that he feels that, you know, white people don't usually have to think about life like that, which for me personally, like I've been there, done that. You, I totally understand what it is to try to help someone feel like you're harmless. Um, right. And so I was, I mean, like that was so powerful um, and which is why I think that this this film is powerful, and I think that, um, again, like you said, uh, you know, kind of growing up in the deep south, um, you know, I I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, so I definitely dealt with racism in my time. But I think about, um, you know, a film like White Right, Meeting the Enemy, which is on Netflix right now, um, and a film like this, what it does is it allows us to um, sit down and hear the voices of the other side, the unknown, right? And I think that that's one of the yeah. things that is really captured here. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, ask you in regard to Austin's voice, how, how did you structure this in such a way where, like, we can really just, I, I feel like you can just relate to Austin. Like, you, 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 you can root for him. You can get behind him. But the message is still powerful and clear.
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, it was like I said, we did a we did a number of interviews, um, and uh, I really wasn't exactly sure how it was going to come together. I find that's kind of the way it is with documentaries—you just sort of let the story happen, um, which is what I love about it. But right. uh, uh, we we just—it was—it was almost like. Um, I mean, we even described it at one point like a therapy session for both of us because. I thought I understood things. I thought I was always on the right side of the fence and, and really had it together. And I found out I didn't know anything about it, um, about mm-hmm. what it was like. I had no idea what he was going to say. And, uh, I mean, um, that that made me think we, we've got to run with it this way. Because um, if I, who come from a very liberal, you know, totally blue, you know, standpoint, was shocked to discover the things that he revealed to me, I knew that there were a lot of people who didn't understand, had no understanding of this. Mm. And, um, and that's why I thought it was really important, um, that we kind of focus on that instead of originally we were thinking, okay, well we could bring this into it, but maybe we'd bring more about what he says, you know, as a student, he's like one of their top athletes. He's going to go to law school. But then I realized that's not, that's not really what's happening here. And um, and so we kind of moved into that as a complete focus, which was very easy because he said so many amazing things that were relevant and resonated in me um, and him as well, I'm sure. So um, I don't know if I answered that one very well.
0: <laughs> no, no, I definitely think you did. Uh, folks, it's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the director of Austin's Voice, uh, Jennifer Lewis, Austin's voice, will be playing at the D.C. Black Film Festival in our Friday film block. Are we still dealing with this? I'm um, just talking about some of the things that were issues that we're still dealing with as a society. But I think what better a place to do it than a film festival. Um, and so, Jennifer, if I could, just wrapping out here, how can people follow the film, find out more about it on social media, online, etc.
4: Uh, we don't really have anything yet, um, to be honest. I, I I made it as a student, and um, I I was, to be honest, I was worried that it wouldn't, that they couldn't get it picked up because I was a I'm a brand new baby in the field, and I thought that I I knew that it was really important stuff in it, but did I do a great job in you know, from a, a cinematography perspective and and that sort of thing? So I was. Um, I thought, well, let's give it a try and see if we can get it in this festival and that we were, we were beyond thrilled that, we were, that you were interested and, and wanted to see what we had. So um, So I knew I needed to, to try and keep pushing and getting it out there.
0: Well, that's even better <laughs> for me because, folks, if you want to see it, if you want to find out more about it, then you got to come to the D.C. Black Film Festival. You can get your tickets at dcbff.org. Um, but, Jennifer, you know, again, I, I think that uh, this is a wonderful film. And sometimes, you know, films aren't always about how amazing are the visuals, the cinematography or the editing, etc. Sometimes it's really just about the message of the film and i think that um the message message is definitely clear here um so thanks for creating it and thanks for coming on picture lock
4: thank you so much for having us and thank you so much for having our film in your festival
0: my pleasure
4: hi everyone this is shayla raquel writer and director of Rivermint and you're listening to picture lock
0: it's Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. And in Buried, two mob grave diggers who have completely separate views on morality enter a forest to bury a body and get paid. Their differences make the task impossible and show just which one of them has the right perspective. That's the latest from my next guest, the director of the film, Blake Bynum. Blake, welcome to Picture Lock.
1: Thank you for having me, Kevin. Thank you for having me. I'm waiting to be here for a while.
0: it's my pleasure man well you're here and uh you know the first question that i always start out with when did you first fall in love with film
1: um it's kind of a hard question because i or or a tricky question because i started off um really falling in love with film i would say as a little kid but didn't really apply it until my older years so i would say just to answer the question um I would say in like first grade, first or second grade was when
0: I first fell in love with film. So, what was it in first grade that you know you're just like, ah, I think I love this thing.
1: Yeah, so I used to um, at my my elementary school, I used to do plays, and um, one of the earlier plays that we did was Oliver Twist, and then um, one of the years after that was The Wizard of Oz, and I saw myself studying these films just in order to get my lines right initially. And then I noticed that I was watching these films every day when I get home from school. And it was more than just me just trying to get the line time, It was actually me, you know, falling in love with actual how things were made and, you know, the process that I didn't really know about um, behind, behind the film, behind the scenes, how people were casted. So, um, you know, being involved in plays at an early age really helped develop my love for film early on.
0: Makes sense, folks. You can check the tape. I, too, have always said, you know, in kindergarten, we did The Wizard of Oz. And, uh, you know, that was it for me, man. I realized the power of, you know, how you can captivate an audience with story. So I I can totally relate to what you just said, Blake. If you could um, take us from the little boy that was, you know, in plays and watching these films to the man now who's directing Buried, which will be playing at the D.C. Black Film Festival this year.
1: So as a little boy, it went from being, you know, in in plays to then I had a a hiatus to where after I left elementary school or middle school, I wasn't involved in um, the arts at all. And um, it was funny because after college, it's when one of my close friends who's an artist from Boston was um, making a music video or he wanted to make a music video. And I had a few friends who were in the you know Arlington area who had a production company back in two thousand and twelve and um I just said, Hey, you know, I can write a treatment for this video, kinda of know how or I can visually see how this video would um like to go. And he trusted me to say, All right, well let's, you know, get team up with your friends who have the production company and let's, you know, make something work. And um after the first video it was, um, you know, it was really exhilarating and really exciting. And later on, you know, I took a few classes of, all into independent media and just to get more in tune with, you know, my production skills or lack thereof. And from there, we started to make three more music videos and I just fell in love with the process every time. So, um, but I knew I wanted something a little bit bigger than just doing strictly music videos. So um, in two thousand and Fifteen is when I wrote my first short film and then in 2016 I wrote another one and then it seems like ever since then you know these short films are just capturing my heart so it, it, by keeping those you know coming out every year or just every six months it shows me that you know the love is there and it just have to you know work hard and for it, for it to work for them.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to the director of Buried Blake Bynum. Blake Uh, you know, I think it's really cool that, uh, you know, you really worked on the craft to get where you are, and, uh, and now, you know, obviously with Buried showing, uh, it's going to be shown at one thirteen on Saturday at DC Black Film Festival. Um, it has to feel good for some of that hard work to pay off, and if you could, just let the audience know, uh, in your own words, what is Buried all about, and what attracted you to the material in terms of directing it
1: sure buried um like you said before it's a um mob gravedigger storyline that's kind of um not really seen in contemporary films i would say and it's more of you know something that's you know we saw maybe in the 80s or the 70s but you know just to take a comedic stance to it was something that i thought was very um, different about it um my good friend leon langford he He's a writer out in um, Los Angeles. He's been writing full time for a few years now. And um, he is, um, you know, just a guy who would give me a chance. And when um, I was looking to move on from, like, you know, another film that I did last year, I wanted to get more in the comedy element. I just, you know, sent him a quick email and said, hey, man, you know, I'm looking to get. Um some more you know comedy things you know uh, across you know my eyes, and if you have anything, you know, please send them over and He sent over four short scripts, a few were like um you know like spec ads for like commercials or something like that, but he um you know buried with one of the longer scripts that he sent, and um I just fell in love with you know the premise of it and how you know we could do something that could be different for, you know, not just black filmmakers, but just, you know, filmmakers getting involved and seeing, you know, how they can adapt other stories from, you know, maybe a different creative mindset, but also able to, um, you know, put our own twist on it. We can have, you know, um, something that could be relatable to others and also to um, those who may not be familiar with the story at all.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because I was thinking it definitely reminds me of a certain scene in Goodfellas. But if you if you could like one of the things I I'm really interested in is the vocabulary of uh the gravediggers themselves. Now I know you didn't write it, but um you know they they talk about some of the the process in terms of like um <laughs> I think it's like expelling bowels or whatever, but these are all things that yeah. like technically sound, like, legit, which I think helps to um, make the, the film a little bit more authentic. So I was just wondering, like, you know, was there a, some research that went into it?
1: Yeah, um, well, initially the script, um, we got needed just some rough changes, nothing too too crazy, but just, um, like, voiding the bowels were, were definitely some terms that felt were a little antiquated for the um, script that maybe we envisioned originally. But then later on, once we really talked to Leon and see where he was going and now he, he wanted he initially intended for the actors to be a, a little older. So I think um just to you know the directing process of finding older actors or finding people who could really fulfill these characters as we thought they um or as we envisioned, um, we just decided to just go with the, the writer's touch and say, Hey, you know, we added a few things on our team once we got the um AOK from the writer, but you know, 90% of it is his, you know, original words and original context. And, um, you know, it's something that we just thought that we had to honor, you know, in order to make this film how the writer, you know, intended it to be. And then um, in the beginning, we also added the prologue, which was, you know, something that we like to add a different element to the film differently than um, what it was originally on the script.
0: You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the director of Buried, Blake Bynum. Uh, Blake, before we wrap out, I got one last question, and uh, that is, you know, you're shooting, uh, this this film takes place at night. Um, if you could, just as an indie mm. filmmaker, what were some of the challenges in terms of, you know, shooting at night, obviously you got to make sure that it's lit, but it does seem as though you were able to find a good balance of um, kind of natural lighting uh, for, for the scenes.
1: Yeah, uh, shooting at night was the toughest part of all. Um, because, you know, I'm not a night person or an outdoorsy person at all. So, you know, anything that I hear creak in the woods at past 8 a.m. is I mean, 8 p.m., excuse me, is not something that um, I want to go near. So it was definitely, I was,
0: um,
1: as the um, crew may not know, I was definitely holding on tight to, um, or standing by close to everybody to make sure that, you know, nothing grabbed me um, out of the darkness. But um, it was, the hardest part was... Um, I think because it was so cold, we shot it in in March, and it was about 20 degrees, and, you know, six, seven, eight hours on set, you know, your toes and your hands just go. But I think just everyone who was a part of it really believed in the vision. And they believed that, you know, the story should be told. We didn't want to, you know, um, waste any time with, you know, any maybe, I don't want to say bad takes because, you know, they're always, but, you know, average or bad takes um when you're shooting but especially outside when you're dealing with the elements you know no one complained and um i really want to give a shout out to my cast and crew because um i know if i was on a casting crew i may have said something here and there just to be like you know voice my a little bit of displeasure of being four in the morning out here in the cold in the woods but you know i couldn't be more thankful you know shooting at night is something that i think is hard um but i think you know, in order for us to progress as filmmakers, we're to kind of step out of our com- comfort zone instead of just, you know, trying to get behind your walls with air conditioning and just, you know, use green screens or special effects to make our things um, look um,
0: natural. Makes sense. Uh, so wrapping out here, man, if you could let folks know how they can follow you on social media or find out more about the film.
1: Sure, sure. Well, my um, Twitter handle is it's the paperboy boy. Um, I.T.S. Da Paperboy, and I did have a moniker before the show Atlanta got famous. So I want everyone to know that. But um, you can find me on Twitter, it's Paperboy. Same with um, Instagram, Snapchat, and to follow more of this film. I would say go to the. Um, I hope to see you guys August 18th at the DC Black Film Festival. It's not been released online yet, so you know we're, we're really um, thankful for the um, you know the, the DC premiere to be at a theater, a Miracle Theater, for the second year in a row, and. You know, that's for. I would encourage everyone who's in the D.C. area, or even if not, just traveling in front of town that weekend, to stop by and see the August 18th at the Miracle Theater.
0: That's what's up, director of Buried, Blake Bynum. Thanks for coming on Picture Lot.
1: Thank you for having me, Kevin. I look forward
0: to seeing you soon, man. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Joe Marshall, Joseph E. Austin II, Jennifer Lewis, and Blake Bynum for coming on the show. Be sure to catch up on back episodes of the podcast and subscribe in iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock podcast and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Be sure to follow me on the Stardust app for my quick movie, TV, and trailer reviews. Just look up at Picture Lock Show and I'll be there watch back episodes of the tv show at youtube.com picturelock show and make sure you subscribe i've been planning a little film festival <laughs> so i haven't been able to put up n- new reviews but uh, trust me i cannot wait to get back on it with my youtube reviews uh, it was really fun i had a, a good little run there but I'm, I'm coming back i'm coming back if you're interested in being a guest on the show you can fill out a form on the website Again, this week's question of the week is what's your favorite film that deals with issues we need to address as a society? Drop me a voicemail at 202-350-1351 or send me an email and let me know at picturelockshow at gmail.com or just hit me up on any of Picture Lock's social media pages and I'll talk about it on the air next week. All music is done by Mike S. The Producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S, the producer, numeral one, numeral three, and hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. Grab those tickets for the DC Black Film Festival at dcbff.org. DC, your boy is coming back next week. Can't wait to see you. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.